I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 137. Today, we're talking about self-care for anxious times with Carla Nomberg. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate calm in their daily lives and to create more peace and cooperation in their families. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls. They are now ages 11 and 8. And there are still challenges, trust me. (laughs) I am welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. If this is your first time to the Mindful Mama podcast, special welcome to you. I'm so glad you are here. Whether you're new or you're returning, it's great to connect. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with my friend, Carla Nomberg, who is an author and clinical social worker. She'll introduce herself. And we are going to be talking about the how to take care of ourselves in these crazy times. So I don't know about you, but the events of the days, the news of the days have been making me feel a little anxious. Feels like the world feels uncertain and with the news and all the craziness in the world and it can affect us really deeply so how do we deal with the feelings that come up so Carla and I are going to talk about the symptoms and triggers of anxiety how it impacts our parenting and how it can provoke anxiety in our kids and you're going to hear that you know sometimes even the push towards happiness can make things harder sometimes and how feelings are not meant to be fixed. They are meant to be felt. And I want you to hear our conversation around this because it really, really is so important. 
And sometimes it can feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to listen to this. But the truth is, the more skillfully we can take care of these feelings, the more joy we can actually feel in our lives. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. Before we dive in, I want to give a quick shout out. Thank you so much to highly sensitive person who gave a five-star review on iTunes and to Raynor's mama. And she started listening to them from the beginning. It's helping me to finally understand myself at 38 years old, she writes. This is so cool. So I, thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you to Caroy William. Yes. Thank you for your, your podcast review, her Southern California fan. Cool. Thank you so much for those reviews. Remember, it's a great way to support the podcast, to help more people hear the messages that we, the things we talk about here, to support the revolution of mindfulness that we're really about here. You know, it really makes a big difference. And hey, Karoy Mama and other Southern California fans and friends and listeners, I want to or let you know that I have a spot open in my one-day California retreat that's going to happen on November 2nd, 2018. I'm sorry, future listening, but yeah, I have a spot open. I would love to connect with you in person. This is going to be an intimate group. It's going it's, can be very transformational to do this in-person immersive retreat experience. It's about getting some balance from all the craziness. So you can find out more about that at mindfulmamamentor.com dot com slash California. So there's just like one or two spots left, I think, as I record this. So I hope that this spot is open when this comes out. But please check it out. And I would love to connect with you in person. That'd be so cool. All right. Now join me at the table as I talk to Carla. Carla Nomberg, welcome back again to the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hunter, I love you. I'm so happy to be here. Will you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Carla Nomberg, and I am a licensed clinical social worker and a parent coach and the author of three parenting books, including the forthcoming How to Stop Losing Your Beep with Your Kids. See what I did there, Hunter? I beeped myself, so you don't have to go back and do it. The book actually has the word in the title, but I'm trying to keep it clean for Hunter, as you all know. So yeah, I'm working on this awesome book that's going to come out, I believe, around the same time that your awesome book is going to come out. Should I reveal the title here? <gasps> oh, wait, wait. I didn't finish my introduction. I, I also have to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I, I live outside of Boston, and I have a delightful husband and two mostly delightful children who I adore. They're in third and fourth grades and two totally insane cats. All right. That's cool. One of my very non-insane cats is chilling right outside my window right now while we, while we talk. So. That's cute. Oh, wait. So you, you were thinking about just like revealing the title of your book. I, by the way, I love the title of your book, but I think that you should reveal it at the end of the podcast. Ooh, that's a good idea. Ooh, we're so tricky. <laughs> Yeah, because I have no idea how to do it. I'm just like, okay, now I know the title. What do I do? It's a great title. You guys, dear listener, we will let you know the title of my book coming out also around February 2019 at the end of this podcast. So stay Oh, your book's coming out in February? We're going to talk about self-care for anxious times. And I just want to preface this by saying that as we're recording this, we just 
I guess it was, it was last week, wasn't it? Just last week we had a big event in our, our country. So you're probably, you might be, you're listening in the future. You know, you could be listening two years in the future, but we're going to talk about what to do with yourself in any kind of anxious time. But as we are recording now, we've just come off the week of the Kavanaugh Supreme Court justice hearings and just Dr. Ford's allegations of sexual assault. And the whole country was watching these hearings. And in fact, just to give you a preview of what has been happening in my life, that when the day these hearings were happening, my I had, I had family visiting. And just like many people, some members of my family were re-triggered assaults and traumas in their past and revealed to me. And it's just intense. And so there was a lot of feeling of uncertainty and anxiety that's kind of running through the air these days. Would you agree, Carla? Oh, it's, it's absolutely agree. And yeah, Hunter, look, I think you nailed it. And this, this story is still very much alive. It's in the news. The votes are happening now. So it's a big deal. And I think in addition to triggering people who have a history of some sort of sexual assault, it's also really triggered a lot of anxiety in a lot of folks. And we are already a nation and a people and especially parents that struggle with anxiety. And then when big news happens, it can just add on to it. So I'm really excited we're talking about anxiety today because it's a, it's a topic I feel very passionate about and I think it's super important. So listener, we are going to talk about some ways that whether this, obviously, this is the past for you, right? But whatever the times are, there's always anxieties that pop up and we all deal with it in some level or another. We we generally suffer and there's, you know, reasons we've talked about a, a lot about that, why we why we have anxiety and, and why we're struggling to survive. So we're going to talk today about what is anxiety, what are some of the symptoms that happen, what are some of the triggers how it impacts your parenting, and then we're going to talk about some way what to do about it. So hopefully Carla has had her coffee this morning. I have had my green tea. Coffee triggers is a little anxiety-provoking for me, Carla. I'm just saying. That's your, all. your tea thing is anxiety-provoking for me <laughs> because I feel like I should be being... No, I'm, I'm okay. Yes, I've had the coffee. Can you not tell by how I'm talking? <laughs> no, but let's, let's talk about anxiety. So I think the first thing that feels very important to me is to get very clear with our listeners about what anxiety is. And I think people have a general sense that it's, it's sort of worry about what might or could or might not possibly happen in our lives. But I think people often stop at this sense of worry, and there's a lot more to anxiety than that. Certainly worry is an important part of it, and the sense that we can't control the worry, that it pops up when we don't want it there, that it lingers longer than we would like it to last, and that it, and that it feels very uncontrollable is an important part of anxiety. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's actually other symptoms of anxiety that I think often get overlooked. For example, folks who are dealing with this may feel really sort of restless or keyed up or tense on edge. That's, that's an important part of anxiety. It's hard to sleep. It may be hard to fall asleep. You may wake up in the middle of the night worrying about things, or you may wake up earlier than you want or need to. And you feel tired, partially because you're not sleeping and partially because it is exhausting to feel tense and keyed up and worried all the time. You know, difficulty concentrating, having a hard time staying focused on the work you need to do or something you're reading 
or feeling like your mind is going blank and you just kind of don't know what to say or do and you're not really sure why it's happening. Tense muscles, people with anxiety often walk around. My big one is I like to wear my shoulders up like earrings around my ears. And, you know, when I finally notice and drop my shoulders, I'm like, oh my gosh. Or, you know, a furrowed brow, like a tense forehead, clenched jaw. A lot of people hold their anxiety, you know, in their neck, shoulders, back. So that's part of it. And then I think the biggest part of anxiety that many people overlook or don't realize is a part of the picture is irritability. Mm-hmm. So I wrote about this a lot in my book, How to Stop Losing Your Temper with Your Kids. <laughs> Trying to be clean it up here for you, Hunter. Because I think people don't realize why they're irritable. And there are obviously many reasons why we can be cranky, but anxiety is a big one. So I just wanted to really kind of lay out those symptoms. And for some folks, anxiety really feels like it lives more in, in your head and in your thoughts. And for some folks, it really is a very embodied experience stomach aches, you know, tension, headaches. And for most folks, it's a combination of both. Mm. And it absolutely affects, you know, our relationships, our ability to be functional at work, our ability to stay focused and get things done. Anxiety absolutely impacts every aspect of your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're on alert, right? It's our body's alert system saying, be on alert, watch out. Imagine we have trouble digesting our bellies don't feel good because you know your body's turning the energy away from digestion and towards tensing the muscles being ready for things to happen but i think what we're talking about too here is like kind of a what a lot of people suffer from it seems like is like a, a just a generalized anxiety like it's not like it's not like we're keyed up and ready for an event to happen we're not most of us aren't like anxious before we get on a stage to speak or something like that like a lot of us are just feeling a general sense of anxiety and uncertainty about the world when times get crazy like this. Absolutely. And you made a really important point there, Hunter, which is there are a lot of different sort of variations of anxiety it comes in many different flavors. And phobias are a source of anxiety. See, so mentioned getting up on a stage. You know, we call that social phobia or social anxiety agoraphobia, you know, fear of kind of leaving your house, that's another one. Panic attacks are a form of anxiety. So yeah, what I was talking about was what we in the profession call the generalized anxiety disorder. Just sort of this pervasive sense of anxiety and worry. And technically, you're not supposed to be diagnosed with it until you've been dealing with these symptoms for about six months. But I think many of us have this experience intermittently in ways that absolutely impact our lives. And I just want to make one thing clear is that you had mentioned this sort of fear of impending, like something's going to happen and we need to be on alert, fight or flight. And that that can be part of anxiety, but we can also think of that as hypervigilance, which is something that often goes along with post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. So they're very similar. They're not always the same, but yeah, I think the idea is the same. And I think there's no question that when things feel more chaotic in the world, it absolutely triggers anxiety. And, you know, my colleagues in the therapy world, social workers, psychologists definitely mention that their clients are coming in more and more with anxiety since we've been in a time of more sort of political upheaval and unpredictability. So yes, events in the outside world are absolutely triggered. You know, we can be genetically loaded for anxiety. I certainly am. I come by it honestly from both sides of my family. 
in addition, the things that happen in our lives, small traumas and big traumas, they can trigger this anxiety and make us feel, you know, very worried, you know, and just living in the world we do where it's this constant flow of information and advice. And this is no more real than it is with parents. I mean, we are constantly being told that, you know, you have to get this parenting thing right, or your kid will never be happy and successful and, you know, live a meaningful life. And if you get it wrong, oh man, they're going to be suffering for all of eternity. And that sort of constant pressure and advice uh, is absolutely anxiety producing. We are sponsored by Midi Health. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause. And the experts at Midi Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. Midi clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. Midi care is covered by insurance, and with Midi Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Joinmidi.com. We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. An incredible, comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com. Use the code mindful for 30% off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's it's coming at us from all sides. So like sometimes it's I think like, gosh, maybe we were <laughs> maybe we were better off when we were like <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I think we were better off when we living in huts and little villages and we all could see each other and we could be out in nature and we could pass our children off to another generation of people. And there wasn't so much information. Sometimes it's, you're, you're right. Like all the information makes us a little nuts, makes us a little nuts. Like there has, so, and that's something I want to talk about too. Like, so we have some of these triggers, right? Are some things like the news and when we're in anxious times, when there's stuff going on, many of us feel pressure to, you know, like, I don't know, you know, my family was on vacation and they were retired. So they were like sitting there watching these hearings, the whole yep. thing. And I was walking in and out and then, and kind of watching it a little bit. But I mean, there with a lot going on in the world, there's a pressure to keep up on it. But some of these things can be triggering our anxiety. So 
there's a sense of like, it's hard for us. I think it's hard for us to know now when to say yes to kind of diving into all the news and all that's going on and when to like give ourselves a break. Like it's, it's hard to even know when to do that. I, I don't know. Do, do you know yeah. what you think? No. Yeah. Yes. Look, let's think about this. I think you're absolutely right that many of us feel sort of a sense of social and civic responsibility to stay connected to the news and current events. Mm -hmm. I understand that and I agree with it, sort of. So part of being a responsible and engaged citizen is also having the energy and wherewithal to participate in your community or in politics or in daily life or whatever it is in a way that's meaningful for you. And if you are so overwhelmed and anxious and stressed out and maxed out, you're not gonna have anything left to give. So here's what I recommend for folks who, and I think this also applies to sort of parenting advice and information. So here's how I generally think about it. If we're talking about general news and information, you know, national news, first of all, figure out the way to consume the news that is not triggering for you. So I read the newspaper online in the morning, and then I intermittently listen to national public radio throughout the day in snippets. That's it. I never watch news on TV. I think it's insane and absolutely triggering. And I try my hardest to not go on social media or check any of this stuff in the evenings because it can trigger my anxiety too much. And how does social media trigger our anxiety? Well, it can be anything from the news that, but then all of a sudden, you see something about a random child who's died somewhere in the world. And before the age of social media, you never would have known that. And it's okay. Like, it's okay that you didn't know that. And all of a sudden, this is in your brain. And it can trigger like, oh, my God, what if something happens to my kids? You know, it absolutely sends me there. So it's that surprising information that we wouldn't have known otherwise. And also, you know, there's a lot of clickbait headlines out there and really graphic images that are specifically designed to grab our attention and, you know, make us click on them, whether because it seems super interesting or it seems super scary. And we're like, oh, gosh, I need to know more to make sure it's not relevant to me or whatever. So and that's all of this, the national. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of this feeds our distraction, too, right? Like this sense oh, yeah. of like completely feeling distracted is really kind of the opposite of feeling present and mindful, right? Which is where we are wanting to sort of what I'm in, in general wanting to promote being present and mindful because we know that provoke, promotes feelings of well-being. It reduces anxiety as we start to practice being more present and start single tasking, start being in reality with our children, like being really present for them, not feeling our minds racing so much, then we start to we start to feel better. We start to have better health outcomes. We start to feel less depressed and less anxious and more well-being and more happiness, right? And so if we are diving into these things all the time, just because it kind of triggers this like need for this part of ourselves wants this part distraction, we have to kind of think, okay, well, this might feel good, but it's kind of like your Hershey bar or, your, you know, it's like, it's like. Don't go after my chocolate, Hunter. Leave okay, okay, okay. It's chocolate like, is sacred. It's like the, do you remember the, the dipping thing where you like dip a piece of candy into a piece? It's like the pixie sticks. Of, yes. Oh, you can totally go after the pixie sticks. That's cool. Yes. You so, know what we used to do in summer camp? It's so gross. We would pour Tang 
into like tang that the powder that you would use yeah, to make like crap orange juice we'd pour the tang into the lid and then we'd sit in a circle around it and lick our fingers and stick it in the communal tang pot <laughs> and then lick it off and then stick our finger in that disgust i can't oh my god what if my kids do that someday oh no look hunter the point is very well taken back to the distraction thing which clearly i'm struggling with i eat tang <laughs> and the, the way i think about this is we are always practicing something yeah. And if we are yes. practicing our mind jumping from one thing to another, constantly scrolling, you know, if, if a screen's not in front of us, our mind will keep doing that anyway. And not knowing where your thoughts are going to land next and not knowing what to do with them when they land on something super unpleasant is incredibly anxiety provoking. So I think that that's the national news is one source of anxiety for sure. But I think also too much advice and specifically like in life in general, but also for parents is completely anxiety provoking. And I realize this is a bit rich coming from someone who literally <laughs> makes for a living giving advice to people about how to parent, but let me offer it up to you this way. What I recommend for parents is, again, if you feel like you're in need of advice, think about how you want to consume it. Do you want to read a book that doesn't involve a screen? Do you want to listen to Hunter's amazing podcast where you hear people hopefully offering, you know, the advice in a way that isn't super triggering or upsetting and you can hear it without flipping out. Or here's my favorite one. Do you want to talk to an expert who's going to get to really know you and your family and can give you the advice that isn't going to freak you out, isn't going to send you off down some rabbit hole that is totally irrelevant and knows enough about like your family specific structure and style and preferences and needs that they can give you really relevant advice. So when I have a health concern about my daughters, I go to our pediatrician who has known us for a decade and I ask her the question and I do what she says because she's an expert. She knows my family super well. And I realize I'm really lucky to have this relationship with her. We don't always get to, you know, have an ongoing relationship with a physician. I don't go searching on internet sites. I don't go asking my friends who are doctors because all that conflicting advice is, is overwhelming and anxiety producing. Oh God, which do I choose? What if I pick the wrong thing? I just go to my doctor and then I do what she says. Yeah, we have to kind of cut through. It's interesting because it used to be, I think, we're in this time where we're, everything's changing, you know, where it used to be that we had to, we had to seek out things, we had to seek out knowledge, and we had to, you know, even stuff like we were always kind of, you know, waste not want not kind of thing. And now we're in the, a world where we really do have to curate, we have to switch to curating. Yeah. And it makes a big difference with our parenting, because if we are restless on edge and irritable, we are crappy parents. Generally, oh, like, at least God. I know I am. I'm a crappy parent when oh. I'm restless on edge and irritable. You know, absolutely. And I think that anxiety sucks for many, many reasons. Uh, but partially is, yes, look, it makes it hard to parent when you are barely functioning yourself. But our anxiety can have also a very direct impact on the choices we make as parents. And this often comes out in the way we either intentionally or inadvertently communicate our anxiety to our children. Mm. So you know, here's what this looks like for me. My daughter has asthma. It's not go like, it's not, we're trying to get it under control right now. And she's on two inhalers three times a day prophylactically to try to manage it. She's fine with this. This is not a huge issue for her, but I'm like, Frida, I mean, if I don't catch myself, I'll say to Frida, did you take your inhalers? Did you talk to the school nurse? Did you go see the school nurse? Did you do your inhaler? Like, and that's my anxiety. 
-hmm. And if I don't catch myself and take a deep breath and find a calmer way to check in about this or trust that my daughter's actually really good about her inhalers, which she is, then I'm going to build her anxiety about it. And so, you know, if you have a plan for your kid and they're going to go to a friend's house after school and you've worked out the plan, but then you keep asking them, okay, wait, wait, when are you leaving and where are you going and what time are you going to call mommy and what's my phone number? You're not helping them get clear on the plan. Like either either they know it or they don't write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to them if you need to. But what you're doing is increasing their anxiety because why would you be nagging them about it if there wasn't something that could go terribly wrong? Yeah, right? yeah you're so telling them this is unsafe, you know. The, right. So the check the plan, make sure they know it once, and then leave it alone. So I think that, and our anxiety about parenting can also cause us to limit our children's options in ways that isn't helpful. And of course, many people have written about this, including Jessica Leahy, the author of The Gift of Failure, that we need to let our children fail. We need to let them go out in the world and make poor choices and have things end up wrong. So then they learn. If I never have driven a car and my parents are so anxious about it that they never let me drive a car, then I'm never going to learn how to be a safe driver. And then I go off to college and one of my friends like, you know, let's go driving. And I'm too embarrassed to say I don't know how to drive. And I end up getting an accident. I mean, that's just one example. And so I think that our anxiety as parents can lead us to limit our children's lives in ways that will ultimately make their lives harder and put challenges for them that they shouldn't have otherwise. Oh, for sure. Dear listener, I am going to be releasing a, an interview with uh, Lenore Skenazy coming up soon. And oh, she, t- yeah. she gives some amazing statistics that will absolutely calm your anxiety about things. But like one of the limiting things we can do is we, our anxiety and our, our own fear can limit our kids' ability to, you know, walk across the neighborhood go outside and play, do all those different things. And, and we go deep into that in that podcast conversation that's coming up. But our job is to work ourselves out of a job, people. We need to slowly trust them more and more and teach them how to do things and then let go. Yes. And that, yeah. that can be Lenore Skenazy, yeah, she's great. So Lenore Skenazy is is the free-range parenting person. She's written a book by that name. And I, I think she's an important, important voice in this conversation. So I can't wait to hear that podcast. Oh, it was, it was exciting. I loved talking to Lenore. So we're talking about all the ways anxiety is like not helping us. And let's just be clear that like our own sense of, you know, our own sense of weariness and our own sense of fear has helpful things. (laughs) You know, we don't want to demonize it, but when left to just be this underlying thing in our lives and when we don't take steps to say, okay, am I acting out of this? Am I not acting out of this? Then it has impacts. It has impacts on ourselves. It has impacts on our parenting. And so what do you do, Carla? You, this is something that we'll talk about now, how we take care of it. I mean, I know that you have worked with, you know, your own natural, (laughs) you come by naturally anxiety (laughs) in your life. So what are some things that are are non-negotiable for you? And what are some things that you do when times are particularly anxious? Oh, I freak out and go in the pantry and find the chocolate. Duh. No, okay. (laughs) The tang. The tang What else would you do, Hunter? No, look, you are right. Like anxiety, anxiety is my thing. It is my ongoing, if I'm going to be all like awesome and mindful about it, I would say it's my ongoing 
invitation to continue to sort of engage with myself and be curious about my experience and figure out what the hell's going on. When I'm less mindful, it, it sucks. It's this like demon on my shoulder that won't go away. But I've learned a huge amount and I'm happy to share it. So what do I do? First of all, I have to notice when I'm feeling anxious. And I have to notice not only when I'm feeling anxious in the moment, but when it is becoming a more persistent part of my life. And for me, irritability with my kids is a huge red flag that I'm anxious about something. Absolutely. It really, that's when I'm like, what's going on here? When I find myself reaching for my phone more than I want to, that is a red flag that I'm trying to escape my anxiety. And so it's clearly triggered if I'm trying to escape it. Also the dishwasher. Oh my gosh, Hunter, I become like a crazy woman about the dishwasher when I'm anxious. It's like if that dishwasher does not get unloaded right now, the world is going to end. Like get out of my like, It's crazy. I don't know what it is. It's me and the dishwasher. Like the rest of the house can be burning down and I'm like, but the dishwasher. So there's that. So I, 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 think I, I just really, have to say yeah. I'm not alone on the dishwasher. Like for some reason. Really? Like, why can't you put away the dishwasher, the clean dishes? Ah! I know. It's like a thing. So getting to know your tell, first of all, getting to know your triggers is super helpful. And, you know, triggers, again, can be anything from national news to local news to something happening in your family to not getting enough sleep at night to drinking too much coffee. Although, side note, P.S., there's really no such thing as too much coffee. But in reality, there absolutely is. I'm kidding. Yes, I switched to decaf. Um, midway through the morning because I can't handle the caffeine. Actually, I so, have a um, coffee story to share with you because <laughs> coffee is anxiety provoking, but my mom is a, a, a big coffee lover. She's a Rhode Islander. It's a, it's a thing, you know, but so she would drink so much coffee when she was a nurse that when she was a nurse doing her rounds at night, actually twice they had to lay her down for heart palpitations because she, Oh no, you're so my mom. Coffee twice like it was like oh. 10 cups or some crazy amount I don't know Mom, oh my I love goodness <laughs> no, look I love coffee but in all honesty I have a cup in the morning of full steam then I switch to decaf and then around like 1 p.m I have to cut it off entirely because even decaf coffee has a tiny amount of caffeine in it and if you are a highly sensitive person like I am then it can still get you going so be careful with the caffeine okay so back to me of course because that's what we're talking about first of all you have to get to know your triggers for me, for example, here's a very specific trigger to me. When my daughters cough, it actually totally spikes my anxiety because when they were babies, they had horrible croup. My older daughter has cough variant asthma. We've had a ton of situations where I have been like driving them to the emergency room. It, it, you know, and that happens so many times that now even a relatively innocent cough, I can notice my whole body tense up. Mm. So that for me is a very specific trigger. So triggers can be universal every time we hear of a school shooting, and I hate even saying that because I'm aware I might have just triggered some of our listeners, but any t- I don't know a parent who isn't triggered by that. Mm-hmm. And then it can be also very, very specific, something that's unique to you. So knowing your triggers, the things that are going to set off your anxiety, and then knowing your tells. How does your body respond? Do you get a migraine? Do you shut down? Do you get super cranky? Do you get hyper-focused on your task list and everything you need to check off and do? So knowing your tells, your body and mind and behavior telling you like, hey, lady, whoa, things are lighting up here. Your tells. And then there are, T-E-L-S. Yeah, your tells. T-E-L-L-S. L-L-S. <laughs> you know, hi, Hunter. Hi. Maybe you need some coffee. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's like if you're sitting, you know, like I get, I took that from, what is it, poker when you're sitting across 
from somebody and you see their eyebrow twitch and you're like, ha ha, I know they have the ace of spades. Like, you know, this little, uh, these little yeah, behaviors yeah. you see in yourself that are like a signal that your anxiety is ramping up. Okay. So then what are you going to do about it? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I want people to remember, and I, I am quoting this little nugget from my dear friend and colleague, Rachel Barbanel Fried, is that every feeling has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, you know, the common analogy is like a wave. And that's a great analogy because feelings sort of grow and develop. And then eventually they get huge and feel overwhelming and they can feel dangerous and scary. And then they come crashing down and it feels like a giant mess. And then eventually they're just a little tiny thing creeping up on the shore and they go away. Mm, So so feelings, even though when you're in the middle of a feeling, it can feel completely overwhelming and like take over your entire reality. They're, they're just a feeling. They have a beginning, middle, and end, and they will not last forever. Nope. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Carla, I'm going to ask here. So I absolutely agree with you, right? Like every feeling, they come like waves or, you know, in the, in the Buddhist literature, they talk about it, you know, sort of like a cloud floating by or, or a leaf kind of floating by a river. Do you feel like, do you think that people can get what I've noticed working with my mindful parenting folks, working with my coaching clients, is that I notice that I feel like our feelings are like our toddlers. Like they're like, will you pay attention to me and look at me? Otherwise I'm never going to leave you alone, right? Like they tend to get stuck. Oh, totally. Don't pay attention to them. Yes. yes. 
Thanks. Okay. But I think there are more and less skillful ways to pay yes. attention to them. Yes, true. Because when we pay attention to them by getting angry or pissed off about them, or by sort of following that rabbit hole, like our thoughts can feed our feelings. Because remember, feelings, I think, are about sort of thoughts and what's happening in our body. And there are, there are choices we can make that intensify them. So if, if you've been triggered by something, and then you sort of are stewing and imagining everything that could go wrong, and you go to the internet, and you start reading all the stories about stuff that could go wrong, and then you call up your friends, and they tell you a story about a time that actually happened to them, and it went really wrong, like, this is all going to feed it. And so that's not how we want to pay attention to our feelings. How we want to pay attention to our feelings is a, by noticing and acknowledging them. And, and the word that often happens in the mindfulness community that we use a lot is accepting, accepting the present moment. And I think that word can be a little confusing for some people because they think it means that we have suddenly become powerless in the face of whatever's happening. And no matter how undesirable or unpleasant or crappy it is, we should just roll over and let it happen. And that's, I don't love that. So I go with acknowledge, like, oh, I'm having a feeling. This sounds so basic. And yet so many human beings on the planet, including me, struggle to do this on a regular basis because it's not easy to do. But the minute you say, oh, I am anxious. I am feeling anxious in this moment. All of a sudden it's like, it's like noticing that a door has been closed and you can choose to open the door instead of just walking into a wall repeatedly and wondering why you're not getting through. <laughs> so acknowledging that you're having a feeling is the first step. And then deciding, what do I want to do about this? What do I want to, you know, how do I want to tend to this feeling? Do I need to go in the pantry and grab the chocolate for a minute? You know, I, I'm not going to diss that too hard because it's certainly a go-to move of mine. It's not the most skillful because the sugar can continue to trigger anxiety, but I, I love chocolate. But, you know, is this a moment where I need to wrap myself up in a nice warm blanket and sip a cup of tea and maybe put my kids in front of the TV set so I can do this and just kind of give myself some comfort? Is this a moment when I need to rely on my support system and call a spouse or a parenting partner or a good friend and have a nice cry if you can? Is this a moment where there's, like, I can't do any of that because I'm in the car with my kids and I don't have that choice. So what I need to do is really focus on the present moment, on paying attention to the road, on repeatedly grounding myself in the reality around me, feeling the feel of the steering wheel under my hand, noticing the taillights, whatever it is. So there's a whole range of ways to respond to anxiety in the present moment that are compassionate to ourselves, are sort of honest about the feelings we're having, and that will help decrease the intensity of the feelings sooner. But you have to be willing to acknowledge that there's a wave coming or that you're right in the middle of the wave. And sometimes we just want to stand there and be like, there's no wave. Everything's fine. It's my kid's fault. They're being jerks, you know, because yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's easier, honestly, like it can feel easier, but then you end up completely underwater, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you feel like and you're there, drowning and nothing changes. There is a tendency to want to push through this. And I think dear listener, you're probably, you probably recognize this in yourself. I recognize it in myself. I tend to go on to the next thing, go on to our next thing on our to-do list. And we never want to like, Carla said, stop, pay attention and acknowledge these feelings. But this is so, so crucial that I have to underline it. Like our, our feelings really are like, and our anxieties really are like toddlers that will not leave you alone unless you pay attention to them and it will just keep going. But, and I want to also turn the uh, listener to another resource. Um, 
I did a podcast with Cedric Bertelli on the TIPI chart. It's called Turn on Your Healing Superpower. And he talks about an amazing process of really stopping and tuning into those physical sensations and letting our body's natural ability to heal itself work through us. But I, and I think what, but what you're talking about, Carla, here is, is so true that we just want to skip over it. We just want to fix it. We just want to do the next thing. We just want it to go away. But I invite the listener instead to, to make a habit of actually stopping, actually paying attention to what's going on, breathing into it, noticing how it feels in your body. And sometimes I get so surprised. I may have been holding on to a feeling for two or three days and then when I finally realize, oh, I can do something about this. I can sit and pay attention to it and breathe. And as I sit with it and feel the feeling, then it goes away. And it's like, oh. Absolutely. And <laughs> why didn't you tell us days ago? <laughs> yeah, Hunter, why didn't you do it days ago? <laughs> no, but look, here's how I think about this. The, the clearest way, I think the biggest struggle we parents have with feelings is we want to fix them. So when our child has an unpleasant feeling, whether it's rage or fear or sadness or anxiety or boredom, we think that that unpleasant feeling means that there is something wrong that needs to be fixed. This is not true. Feeling feelings is a normal part of daily life. It's just part of the deal of being human. We have a lot of feelings. And I think that it isn't our, parent, our fault as parents that we experiencing this because we live in an age of happiness where everyone's like, the goal in life is to be happy. And here's all the things you need to do to be happy. And if you're not happy, it's because you're not working hard enough. And this drives me banana pants because it is, it is not true. You know, life is hard. Mm-hmm. I almost said the SH word happens, but crap happens. See, I'm, I'm pointing myself in. Bad things happen, unpleasant things, we get hurt, we have feel like that's life. So there's, you know, it's like saying that a storm is wrong or a wave is wrong. And if we get caught in the rain, it's because we've done something wrong. It's just not true. So here's how, what I want to encourage our listeners to think about. Amen. Sister. Feelings were, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Feelings are not meant to be fixed. Feelings are meant to be felt. Oh, and like when that. we feel them, you know, either through our bodies or through, our words or by connecting with a loved one who will just sit with us and let us cry and not try to give us advice on all the stuff we should have done differently. And the most interesting example I saw this recently is Elizabeth Gilbert, who is the author most famously of Eat, Pray, Love, but she's written a bunch of other stuff. She's been very public on social media about losing her partner in the past year or two. Her partner died. And it's she's, she's been in terrible grief. And she posted a video of a dear friend of hers doing this beautiful dance that it was just in somebody's living room. It wasn't like a performance as a way of sort of working through this grief in her body. And it was fascinating to me because it's something that would never, ever occur to me. It's something I, I, I don't want to say I would never do, but I really can't imagine doing it. It's not at all my style, but I deeply and intuitively understood this sense of moving your body to let this sort of anxious or grief or whatever energy move through. So That was her way of feeling her feelings and getting them out of her body. With me, when I'm anxious, I find that going for a long walk outside really helps. Doing a little bit of like vigorous yoga can really help. Or, you know, hugging my kids and sometimes just like saying, screw it, I'm done with the day, like unplugging everything and going to bed. And so 
if this is a good time now in the conversation, Hunter, I would love to talk about sort of a range of things we can do in the big picture to reduce anxiety. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I agree with Carla. Like there is no separation between body and mind. Our body mind are yes. is one system. As you take care of your body, you take care of your mind. As you move this energy out of your body, it helps the way your mind feels, totally the way, way, way your feelings do. That's one of the reasons I I run. I you know, I do vigorous yoga too and I run and I I have to kind of like give myself a sweat every day and this is like some most days, maybe six days a week, right? And because I, this is something I realized when I was a teenager, one of the first things I did to take care of myself was to, I started running and I just like, I call it a get my yayas out. I get, I move that energy through my body. So getting that, that energy out and through your body is really important. Let's not forget the body in this factor but yes, other, other yes. ways and you talked about getting out in nature it's huge hugely important and i've never gotten a clear explanation of the connection between being in nature and calming our bodies but there is evidence for it there's been some research on it and it's certainly my experience um, and when we go for a nice hike with the kids, like that's everything because we're out in nature, we're moving our bodies, I'm not on my damn phone, like it's awesome. Sleep is the biggest one. When I worked on an inpatient psychiatric unit, the most powerful intervention we could make for many of our patients was getting them to sleep again because it's a very vicious cycle where being exhausted increases your anxiety and then the more anxious you are, the less you sleep, which makes you more anxious. So if you need to work with a sleep specialist or a doctor or something to get your sleep back on track, but sleep is the foundation for all of it. And if you're, you know, get off social media, get off the computer an hour or two, you know, before you need to sleep, dim the lights in your house, turn them down, you know, bright lights signal our brain that it's time to wake up. So don't do that you know, see it as a transition to sleep. I think many of us assume that we should be able to work, 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 parent, 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 you know, be totally engaged in the world around us. And then at the right time, just flip it all off and go to sleep. And our brains don't work this way. So give yourself a transition, a chance to transition into sleep. Also, research has shown that the only way to increase the quality of our sleep, well, there's two ways actually that research has shown. One is not looking at screens in, in bed or before bedtime, that sort of light coming from our screens not only makes it harder to fall asleep, but it makes it more likely that we will have poor quality sleep and vigorous exercise. Yeah, yeah. Directly related to the quality of your sleep. So sleeping, moving, being aware of your caffeine intake. Breathing is a huge one. And breathing any way you can get it. Lots of deep breaths doing a breath meditation every day where you're sitting and just being mindful of your breath, counting your breaths. I mean, breathing is like, oh my gosh, it's like my favorite thing to do, right? Yeah, being so, grateful for your breath because as long as you got that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a really simple breathing technique that you can use to sort of tap into your body's natural rest and relax response because they've discovered that uh, each inhale is kind of like a, a mini stress response and each exhale is a mini rest and relax response in the way it acts in the nervous system in the body. So a really simple way to tap into that is to breathe out a little longer than you breathe in. So you so one of the breaths I like to teach people is a, a just count in as you breathe in for five and breathe out for a count of eight. And you can just do, you know, four or five breaths, breathing in for five, breathing out for eight, 
and you can feel the difference right away. Love it. And you know, one of the times that I breathe every single night, I mean, I breathe all the time, but you know what I'm saying is, is a movie you taught me hunter. I oh, lay on the ground and I put my tushy against the wall and I put my legs up, uh, the wall, legs up the wall and I lay there and count my breathing and it feels so good. Yeah. Love legs, legs up the wall is really, really rejuvenating. And we haven't even mentioned mindfulness meditation, which of course. I did. I said mindfulness of breathing. But I totally you did, mentioned that. You did. But I, I think but, we did we didn't we say, say more about word. it. <laughs> the, the meditation word, word because it's, yes. you know, yes. it's, it's something that is available to anyone if you can breathe. And so, you know, it's just about stopping and breathing and focusing our attention on on one thing focusing our attention on the present moment and just simply bringing that attention back when it wanders and this has been shown to to really reduce anxiety and depression increase well-being increase health outcomes all kinds of wonderful things it's training the mind to to have um, a single pointed attention can be really healing and i'm sure you'll say Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh my gosh. Can we nerd out about this for a minute? I love it. Just Look, briefly. <laughs> briefly. Okay. Here's the one thing I want to say is rather than drowning in our own anxious thoughts, when we notice those anxious thoughts and decide to focus on our breath instead, it's like coming up for a breath of fresh air. And yes, the anxious thoughts might come back, but instead of like wallowing in them, go back to breathing. And you, you're retraining your mind for how you're going to respond to the anxious thoughts. And the more you do that, look, my guess is our listeners, if they're anything like you and me, have had a ton of practice being anxious. So let's try practicing something else, breathing and feeling compassion for ourselves in response to our anxiety. And the more you practice that, the more naturally it will come to you when you're feeling anxious. Yes. What we now, there's, practice there's, grows stronger. What we practice grows stronger. That's right. Now, I want to throw in two more things briefly, which is that therapy, working with a trained mental health professional can be incredibly helpful, help you understand your anxiety so that you can better identify your triggers so it doesn't feel like it's coming from nowhere. It can help you figure out how to respond to your feelings, how you want to manage them. I mean, this can be very concrete in terms of strategizing. What are you going to do when you feel anxious? And just giving you a place where you can really explore this with someone who is neutral and supportive and it feels confidential. It is confident. It doesn't feel confidential. It is confidential. So I've been in therapy. I highly recommend it. And the last thing I want to say is that medication is a really important option for many, many folks. And so if you think this might be the option for you, and I have been on medication for anxiety. I'm not currently, but if I need it again, I'll go back on it. But I'm working hard to do all the stuff that we've talked about because I'd rather do that than be on meds. But if, if you think meds can help you, talk to your mental health professional, a psychiatrist about it, because it can be really, really life-changing. So there are a lot of tools. There are a lot of tools to yes. take care of this. And sometimes it can feel like we don't have time for anything to do all these things. You know, it may feel like a lot of to-dos, but I will... I encourage you to think about how you can take a small step towards some of these things that Carla and I talked about, how you can maybe 
clean up your your sleep habits. Maybe you can start to bring a little more vigorous exercise in, you know, by taking the stairs or I do sometimes if I can't, uh, since I need to get my yayas out so much, I, I do the seven minute workout and my kids do it with me. It's funny. We're all like doing jumping jacks and squats together. Taking five minutes to sit in meditation, it has zero side effects. It's it can be very powerful. So, take some of these steps, integrate a little of few of them into your life bit by bit, and you know we spend a lot of time on social media. I guarantee you have you know five minutes to sit and and be quiet, or to seven minutes to to work up a little sweat at some point in your day. Even though I have to say, I love watching Glow on Netflix. That's my latest one. That's my plug. Gorgeous Glow. ladies of like, Le- gorgeous ladies of wrestling in the eighties. It's so hilarious. Just, I'm not being paid for it even. <laughs> You're not. You should be. You should I reach should out be. to them and be like, yes. Mark Maron. Wait, Hunter. <laughs> Hunter, you're just trying to delay the inevitable. Our oh, readers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Our readers, our listeners, our listeners are waiting to hear the title of your book. Yay, I'm so excited. Okay, so this is my first book. I'm so thrilled about it. And I'm Woo-hoo. bringing all the, all the things from the Mindful Parenting course, putting it into the book. It's all these wonderful things. So, dun da da dun I'm glad I get to reveal it with you, Carla. This is fun. So the title of the book coming out soon is called Raising Good Humans. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Who doesn't want to do that? If you are like, I do not want to do that, then I I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about you because everybody (laughs) wants to raise good humans. I love this title, Hunter. I'm so excited to read this book. And so the subtitle is... A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. Oh my gosh. There you go. I am so excited about this book. Now, I need a little help from our listeners and from you, Hunter, speaking of subtitles. Mm. So my book is called How to Stop Losing Your Beep with Your Kids. Mm -hmm. And my editor would like me to have a subtitle to make it clear to people that it's not just like a totally snarky, sarcastic book filled with the S word, but there's actually really useful advice out there for parents who want to stay calm with their children. So if any of your listeners have a subtitle, for example, all I've got so far is something like, you know, how to be patient when your buttons are being pushed or something really boring and blah like that. I don't have anything. So if your listeners want to submit a subtitle. And if I pick it, I'll send them a free copy of my book when it comes out. And they can either leave the comment on your website or they can email me and they can just Google me and they'll find my email address and they can send it to me. Okay. There you go, dear, okay. dear listener. You've got, you got, if you have some ideas for Carla's subtitle and if you like the title of Raising Good Humans, please let us know. We would love, of course, your feedback. So a great title. Thank you. So I hope this has been a helpful episode, helpful conversation. I always love talking to you, Carla. Thank you. I love talking to you. Thank you. Where where can people find you in the world? They can find me at carlanomberg.com. Awesome. Awesome. And you can always reach out to me and and you can find Carla in the show notes at mindfulmamapodcast.com. Carla, this has been so fun. And I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Thank so you Hunter, and be well, all of our listeners.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope this podcast really helped you. Just having this conversation with Carla has helped me. Uh, you know, I all the things here on the podcast, I really teach what I need to learn most. Like these are the vital things I feel like for my life as well as my clients. These are really important things. So I hope that this has helped you today feel it to heal it all those wonderful things so if you are in california i may have a spot left in my california one day retreat on november 2nd you can find out more about that at mindfulmamamentor.com slash california i believe let me just check on that hmm i think it's california yes Yes, mindfulmamamentor.com slash California. And thank you so much to those people who left uh, reviews on Stitcher and iTunes. It makes a huge, huge difference. If you haven't done that yet and you're enjoying the podcast, please do tell some friends about the podcast, share it on social media, tag me, let me know, and and leave a review. It makes a big difference in the sort of the iTunes algorithm. The more reviews, the better for helping get this message out to the world. And yeah. It makes a big, big difference. So please do help me out. Take a minute to pop over to iTunes, search for the, I mean, Apple Podcasts, uh, to search for the Mindful Mama Podcast, and you'll find it and, and leave a review. And, and they mean the world to me. They make a huge, huge difference. So thank you so much. I'm so glad to connect with you here today. Coming up soon, I do have my episode with Daniel Siegel coming up. And I'm going to have some other great episodes coming your way. We will get that Lenore Skenazy episode coming up soon. We have so many great guests to share with you and other things to share with you. So, and I will also be sharing with you some of the, you know, today we talked about anxiety and how to deal with it. And I think we're going to talk about taking that a little bit further. So thinking about the idea of happiness, right? Then how to lean into happiness more. And we'll be talking about that coming up soon too. I think, I think next week. So it'll be a surprise, like opening up a present. What will it be? You'll find out on Tuesday, I guess. So wishing you a beautiful week. Hope to connect with you in some of the ways, maybe in person in California or maybe over the web with your review or with a program. My coaching groups are coming up soon. You can learn more about that. But thanks for listening. Sending you all my wishes for peace, all my wishes for bouncing back when life inevitably gets hard. And it does all the time. So let us help each other bounce back. And we can do that by coming together. So thank you so much, my friend. Namaste. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.